Welcome to Spin It, a business podcast that takes you into the lives of some of today's most influential leaders, entrepreneurs, game changers, athletes, and many more. On Spin It, we take a deep dive into the lives and journeys of our guests to deliver real, unfiltered, and unscripted conversations that will surely inspire hope and promote change. We focus not on their current success, but on the obstacles and challenges that they faced along the way that often doesn't get talked about. How they battled adversity, getting up and being knocked down when all of the odds were stacked against them. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dave Meltzer. From the minute Dave and I first chatted, I knew he was different in every aspect of business, personal, and leadership. Dave is a servant leader, mentor, and business coach. He is also a three-time international best-selling author, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch, and host of the top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. Please welcome Dave Meltzer. Hey, Dave. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you. Oh, I'm excited to be here. It's time to spin it. I've been excited all day for this interview. Thank you so much. So I want to jump right in. When I was doing the research, I was so fascinated by every single aspect of your story. When your dad left, you were just five and it was kind of the first time you really ever saw your mom cry and you were devastated about this and you made a decision right then that you were going to be a millionaire so you would be able to help your mom. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah. You know, I have this extraordinary mother. So she had her hangups, of course, as a normal Jewish mother, doctor, lawyer, failure. Fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school, a lot of guilt. Uh, but the one thing that she did do is wake us all up early. And I've utilized not as much of the guilt in raising my own children, but I'm a big believer in waking up early. And for two reasons for kids. One, productivity, and the two, staying out of trouble. I was never awake enough to be in trouble. I was the guy who they drew on his forehead at 11 p.m. because I'm sleeping on the couch while everyone else is having fun and getting into trouble. But my mom was such an extraordinary mom. She was so selfless that all I wanted to do was buy her a house and a car. And I also had a feeling inside of me that I was born to make money, that there's this quantum. As I got older, I recognized it, but I have an abundance in my energy that you know, is limitlessness. It's infinity. I uh, had less fear than my other siblings. I didn't do what other people wanted me to do. And so I think when my dad left, I saw my mom as helpless, which is really funny because she's so powerful. You know, she raised six kids on her own, were two jobs, wow. packed my dinner in a paper bag so she could be a second grade teacher, fill up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards. And yet all my siblings went to the Ivy Leagues, all of them, summa cum laude, full scholarship, straight A's, like they're amazing academics. They, you know, did exactly what my mom empowered them to do. And although I was genetically born a good student, which made it quite easy to do well, I wasn't summa cum laude. I got the only B in my family. I did get a scholarship to college. I got to play football in college um, and I've done okay. But my mom's extraordinary, which made it even more important for me to take care of her. That's amazing. So, so you, this has been a natural drive since you were very, very young and you followed this through, through, through your life. I've done a lot in the last couple of weeks of really studying who you are as a person. The one thing that blows me away is, I mean, when Nick and I were trying to put this together, our schedules were so crazily impacted yet sleep is such a big thing for you. So talk to me about your schedule, your sleep, and your productivity as you fly all over the world speaking in these amazing conferences. Yeah, you know, sleep I'll start with because it's the most important part of the activities that we have. See, we're given 24 hours of activity a day. 
people create resistance with their activities by defining it as work or vacation or defining it with a time span that creates resistance. For me, sleep's the most important, but it's also the most remarkably frustrating thing that I deal with in helping people. And let me tell you why. I can't believe the majority of people on earth go to sleep so that they can recover and rest. And the majority of them wake up every morning more tired than they went to sleep. More tired. I'm like, you know, if I went out to dinner with everybody and bought you all drinks and dinner for two hours, including dessert, and you walk outside to dinner and say, oh man, I'm so hungry. My mind would say, okay, there's something wrong with this. The purpose of going out to eat is to not feel hungry. The people purpose of going to sleep is to not feel tired. Well, this is the key component to time because if we're not recovering correctly, if we're not accessing the information from the higher source, if we're not accessing it without ego interfering, but instead, if we're draining our economy while we sleep, imagine the productivity that's drained out of us. Imagine the accessibility that's drained out of us. Not just accessibility to others, but accessing what we want. And most importantly, imagine the gratitude that is extracted from us. The unbelievable power to find light, love, and lessons and everything. That takes energy. So I start with sleep with my schedule. So my day starts at 9 p.m with an unwinding routine, my tomorrow starts today. I have an unwinding routine to put my body, mind, and soul in a place of recovery and access. Therefore, I wake up religiously at 4 a.m. Pacific time. So if I'm on the East Coast, it's 7 a.m. Eastern time. I cheat an hour as I go farther to the East. So we get a little variable in there. I have a sleep coach to make sure the lighting's right, the temperature's right, my food schedule's right. Also, that I can have as much energy to utilize towards what I want, who I can help, who can help me, how to get it done, so I prioritize correctly to be productive, accessible, and gracious, to be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. All of those aggregated together allow me to do something that other people can't do, and that's apply my why, not search for my why. When you get into this type of routine, uh, that is facilitated by the practice of activity, being efficient, effective, statistically successful. I have all these different disciplines and strategies, the 520 rule, I got the no rules. I got all these different things that I've taught myself, but in the end, it's a matter of starting your day at the highest level. I call it a plateau and grow. Most people, like I said, live their life like tubes, food in, food yeah. out. They roll a boulder to the top of the hill just to have it start at the bottom of the hill the next day like Camus the Stranger. This isn't the myth of Sisyphus. This is your life. Go out there and apply your why. So I had 14 questions that happened in my head like all kind of at the same time. They all like kind of went boom, boom, boom. So I was thinking your kids probably want to choke you. I just want to make sure we're on the same page because if I started that, because I'm pretty, come on guys, you got to do this. What's your purpose? Like you will know it's a calling and they're like, whatever, boring. Okay. Tell me about your wife. When you're doing this with your wife, tell me how she is about this. How does she support you? Well, I will try to do this without crying uh, because that's how much I adore my wife. Um, I've known her since the fourth grade. She hated me. I asked her to go steady at sixth grade camp through my best friend, Rob, and she embarrassed me and said, no, tell him to ask me himself. So I threw eggs at her, rocks at her. I asked her why her friends were prettier than her. And so it took me until my mid to late 20s to, to re-engineer that so that she would go out with me. But, you know, I've been married since my 29 years old. So 24 years I've been married. And 
my wife is extraordinary because she's so honest. I can't even explain how much. I told her this morning. I go, I can't stand how much I love you. Because <laughs> I do. I get choked up. But like to have somebody that doesn't just tell you yes. I mean, I imagine being a wife with three beautiful children living in Rancho Santa Fe, golf course, ski mountain homes, planes, boats, car, everything you ever want. And to have the nerve to tell me, you know, I'm lost. She's not happy. I'm going to end up dead and that she's leaving without any fear of that she wasn't right. And that's what turned my life around because I forgot who I was. And she told me I better remember who I was. I forgot who I wanted to be. And she told me I better want you remember. One of the things that was so hard that she told me when I was at rock bottom emotionally, and it was two years before I lost everything. So the, the finances wasn't a big deal to my wife. She was far more scared for me when we yes. were super rich than when I was broke. But she looked at me and said, what would your mother think of you if she knew what you were doing? And I still, sometimes I think about it when I'm making choices. I think about not just what my mom would think of me, but now what my wife, because I want to live up to the potential that she sees in me. And so when I wake up early, it's not a problem. When I, you know, all the freakish OCD, obsessive characteristics, personality traits, she has found the light and love in it, just as I have found she's perfect for me. Greatest blessing I've ever gotten in this journey is my wife. So I want to say two things. First of all, I, I stalked your Instagram pretty hard. <laughs> the way she looks at you, the way she looks at you is so ingrained and it is so impactful. When you speak and she watches you, it is such an incredibly special gift to have somebody who supports you through good and bad. That's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is what an honor to have such a strong, beautiful woman who could care less about the money, but truly saw you going down a wrong path. And while not my husband, I can relate. So Dave, I coach a lot of very, very, very well off executives, a couple of them IPO, you know, boom, all of a sudden you're worth 300, 400, $500 million quickly. And then what happens? Everyone starts telling him yes. And they start acting all crazy. And I remember when you said that to me, I actually said that to a client, a very young client, 39 years old, multimillionaire, you know, had everything, planes, yachts, everything. And I said, what would your mother think of you? And I just turned around and I walked away and he was on his knees in tears. And he was like, oh my God, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it was such a massive shift to have somebody that you come home to every single day that's watching your back like that, what an incredible gift to you and the kids. Yeah, it's even taken a step farther because I trust in that. Uh, my common, what I call a quantum uh, nature is to oversell, back-end sell, lie, manipulate, and cheat. It's born into me the same way as some of the other positive attributes are, but it's part of my quantum nature. I have a tendency to oversell, exaggerate. You know, I don't have an intention to lie or cheat, but you know, and I, hopefully some people this resonates with, with no judgment, but sometimes I walk away and say, why did you say that? It's not true. You know, and like, in, in the little shit, yeah. it doesn't even matter. And, and this is quantum in my nature. So I've actually identified the superpower of my wife and I've asked her to call me on my bullshit at all times, including in front of other people. 
And, you know, sometimes I wish I didn't do it, uh, but <laughs> I hold by it. I, I was at dinner at the Wynn. I have a studio there and I took some people for dinner and I told them that I sold my office building during COVID to get a studio. But instead of saying to get a studio, I said, I bought the studio and my wife immediately, right? You didn't buy that studio. Why are you telling them you bought the studio? You partnered in the studio. You didn't buy the studio. Wow. You don't, right? Like, and it's so helpful to me because nobody gives a shit whether I bought the studio or partnered in the studio, right? It wasn't an intentionally right. harmful lie, but it's quantum in my nature, right? To just kind of color things to the positive over, you know, it's that salesman that's nature in me. And it's so nice to have someone like that. And then on the other side, right, I'm extremely pragmatic. My wife's extremely spiritual. So we blended together where, you know, I couldn't even walk into her room when I met her because she was, everything was everywhere. Now she's almost neater than I am. Wow. <laughs> and she, she enjoys uh, being a time freak almost as much as I do. That one will be hard to surpass me because I'm the world's number one time freak. Yeah, I'm, I, I totally, you and I are like this on that because, I mean, my schedule's off by a minute and a half and I'm like sweating. I'm like, who did I not serve? Who did I not get to? What do I need to do? Like, I need like Nick times four, you know, because yeah. Nick's got the whip. So talk about this this quantum intention inside of you because I want to make this relatable. So you and I have done a lot of personal work. You've done a ton of personal work. I've done a ton of personal work. Maybe somebody's not there yet, Dave. Maybe they're listening and they're like, what the hell are these two talking about? How do you start figuring out these holes or these voids in you and how for you to be able to fill them up? Well, thank you for asking that question uh, because I think it's not what we say, you and I, it's what people hear. Yes. And I've spent the majority of my later career trying to figure out what people are listening for and how they can hear me, especially because we're planting seeds uh, that may not grow till much later. We are planting seeds for trees we may never sit under. So I want to point that out to everyone what an important question this is. So I believe there's three different areas that lead up to this quantum nature. All quantum nature is, is your energetic and genetic inheritance. And we can see that within patterns of ourselves and our family members. Uh, and if you believe in past lives or anything like that, it even enhances it more. But you have a natural energetic and genetic disposition. Your characteristics, your personality traits, your obsessions, your addictions, what you like is quantum. It's genetic and energetically infused in you from the time you're born. So how do we, number one, identify that? And then two, what do we do? Well, we have to understand there's a conscious continuum that adjusts or activates this quantum nature. So it either reinforces the good parts of us or the bad parts of us, whatever's inside of us. And we can deactivate some of the negative stuff and activate some of the positive things. So I will use the conscious to input data that I want into my cellular memory. So how do we get data into the body, the cells? They have a memory. And the way that we do that is by what we actually think and, and say. We see, hear, hear, smell, touch, and, and taste. So we use our senses in order to input data into our system. The problem is our senses are not accurate. You and I see things differently, smell things differently, taste things differently, touch things differently. So that's why consistency is such a big point because in order to get stable data, the data that we want, 
So if we want something to be inputted into our system, a good habit that's gonna aggregate and compound on itself, consistency is the number one physical attribute that inputs data into your cellular memory. Why is that so important? Because once you get there, it takes about 21 days just to get an input. Now that doesn't mean you have a habit. That means it's been inputted where it can speak to the neural pathways or what I call the subconscious. The subconscious hosts 40,000 of these thoughts. Every day when you're not thinking about it, it's telling you, I'm worthy, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, whatever those are. And if you put negative ones, it now creates interference and it works against you. And even worse, as you're continuing by being consistent with what you want, and it's inputting and reinforcing the inputs in the subconscious, that neural pathways are formed in the brain, which is like if you imagine a ski slope with fresh powder and you keep skiing down the same path, pretty soon it gets really easy, fast, and efficient. This is what happens with the good habits and the bad habits. Well, once you get that set, Now it starts speaking to your quantum. It starts speaking to your genetics and your energetics. It starts activating the parts of you, the potentials of you that you want, and deactivating the ones that you don't want. So here's where people get confused about this habit machine, about the consistency, is let's say that I was born into obsessive drinking, Mm -hmm. that this was inherited. I can see my great-grandpa was an alcoholic, my grandpa, my dad, and then me. This is very common, by the way. You can see it statistically. Well, if somebody tells me, oh, don't worry, it takes 21 days to create a habit, and I quit drinking for 21 days, and then I still need to drink more than I need to live, I'm confused. Why doesn't it work? The reason it doesn't work is that somebody could have a quantum obsession for alcohol, and it could take you multiple lifetimes in order to change that habit. You'll always in this lifetime want to drink. That's why we have programs that help us control the urge but quantumly it'll never shift. It may take lifetimes to do that, where other things, like for me, I don't have a quantum addiction to alcohol, right? I, I have a quantum addiction to, to time and you know other obsessive freaky things like being neat. But more importantly, right, I could, someone could give me a drink right now and then tell me I'll give you a million bucks not to drink the rest of your life. I'll take that right now. Right. Down. Yeah, I'll have no Let's urge. Do it. <laughs> I'll take the million. I'll have no urge ever to have a drink. But I know, for example, my former business partner, you know, the famous Lee Steinberg, I could offer him $10 million. Right. You know, and he would be drinking in a week uh, and because of the quantum nature. So the reason this is so important is because consistency is the hobgoblin of our quantum nature. If we can stay consistent with good habits, even though the results take a long time to see, see, the problem with the negative habits is an example, if you have a negative habit, it takes 90% of the habit to see a result. So what happens with good habits is we get impatient and we don't see results, so we quit. But even worse, bad habits, we don't even expect a result. And so it's too late when we've been drinking for 90% of our lives and it really becomes a problem because you can see the effects that it's having. These things aggregate on themselves. So I try to stop the means, meaning I want people to focus in on what do I want every day? What are these habits, consistent, persistent pursuit of my life every day so that this conscious continuum can shift, 
your energy and your genetics. So, so that's fabulous and fascinating. I want to ask you something. So I, I've certified in NLP, done a lot with NLP. I recently read something and I'm wondering if you actually know. So remember the 21 days to create a new habit, all that. Okay. So, and then we do habit stacking. So I do the same thing. Okay. Consistency. I I'm, I'm a Nazi about it. Great. But now they're saying that it's really more like 66 days because of all of the data and all of the electronics and everything, all the distractions, that it's really not 21 days. 21 days is when our parents were younger and they didn't have a smartphone or a laptop or an iPad. So when you say that, Stephanie, it's not 21 days. It's really a lot more than that. What are one or two things that people can start right now, right now to start building those habits? Yeah, I created five daily practices because I don't care if it's one day or 60 days or 180 days. If you stop doing it, the habit will dissipate and dissolve anyway. So, you know, how long it takes is effective resistance to me. I don't try to put things into the man-made construct of I need to do this by the end of the month or the end of the year. That's why I don't like New Year's resolutions. So here's the five things that you do. Take inventory of your what. Know what you want personally, experientially, giving, receiving. The easiest way to get what you want is to know your who. Who you can help with what you want because that gives purpose and why to it. But more importantly than even who you can help, believe it or not, is who can help you. Because the faster you get what you want, the faster you can help others. The more of what you want that you get, the more you can give to others. You can't give what you don't have. So receiving is a critical part and asking for help is the biggest piece of advice I can give you. So know your what, know your who. Then you and I are freaks of the week when it comes to knowing your how. We can talk all day about being a student in your calendar, the 520 rule, productivity, accessibility, gratitude, efficiency, blah, blah, blah. But you gotta understand the, the reconciliation of time and thought within the context of studying your time and the activities that you're given and, and you focus attention and intention to equal the coincidences you want. Then if you know the what, the who, and the how, you can apply your why. What does that mean to apply your why? I believe that the, the pragmatic manifestation or materialization of knowing your why is prioritization. People who prioritize know their why. Yes. And what people that prioritize are applying their why. And so you cannot prioritize anything unless you know your what, your who, and your how. Once you know your what, your who, and your how, you instantly know by your non-negotiables of what you want today, what to prioritize, and you get more done because you get things done now, 100% of the things you get done now get done. It's statistically the most successful way to get things done. It's the most exponential way to get things done. So know your what, your who, your how, and your now, that will allow you to apply the why. This is how habits are formed with no construct of whether it takes two days, 21 or 60 days or 180 days. All you want to do is progress. You yes. want to keep on compounding the habits, stacking the habits, accelerating them, exponentially allow them to double, You know, even in a branding sense real quick because this freaks people out. I met Gary Vaynerchuk five Super Bowls ago and I was helping him start a sports agency for his brother. He said he could build my brand. He asked me, you know, in Instagram, I, 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 know, I had no followers, right? And I'm like, dude, I'm a middle-aged mutant turtle. Nobody wants to see middle-aged mutant turtles on Instagram. You know, I, I need a juggle or something. He said to me, what do you want, right? He, he does this naturally. What do you want, Dave? I said, I want to empower over a billion people to be happy. So what would you want in year one? I said, I'd want two ambassadors. And 
because I don't come from the realm of digital marketing, he's like, what do you mean ambassadors? I said, I want two people at the end of the year, if I'm going to do all these videos, I want two people that will tell two people a year for the rest of their life. You got to read Dave Melcher's books, watch the playbook, the podcast, watch his TV shows, office hours, two drill, go to his speeches, hire him for anything, coaching or consulting, just two people. And he looked at me and he goes, wow, you must charge a lot. He goes, you're going to put all this budget into doing this team, this video, this media. You must charge a lot. I said, actually, I don't. I said, but by when the time I'm 70, 20 years from when I started, I'll be the most popular middle-aged man on, on Instagram. He said, how's that possible? At two people a year? I said, yeah, because of what we're talking about with habits. Two times two times exactly. two. Exactly. It's two million people. Two million ambassadors getting me two million more ambassadors every year. The second, 71 is four million about. Imagine if I lived to over 111 like I want. I, I might have everyone in the world as an ambassador if I stick to the consistent, persistent pursuit of my truth, my potential of empowering others to empower others to be happy. So a couple weeks ago, I was in New York and I met with Claude. Claude's a very good friend of mine, Claude Silver. And I she's knew I just, loved you. She's, <laughs> she's just, she's like my you heart. You surround yourself with all the right people. God, I just literally want to just kiss her entire face off. And so <laughs> Me too. I, we go to the, this hotel and we're sitting here talking and talking and, and she says, hey Steph, do you know Dave Meltzer? And I said, good God, this guy, like, I can't get rid of this guy. Like, like everywhere I go, it's like, you know, you're like the female version of Dave. And so I, I'm like, God, don't I wish that, that oh. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I said, Claude, I'm going to ask Dave a question. I told her what question I was going to ask. And she goes, that's an amazing question. And I don't know the answer. So I said, well, if you don't know, I'm asking early in your career, you said back to your mom, I attach my self-worth to how many dollars I can make. Okay. I look at you now. It doesn't matter if you're talking to a bunch of high school kids. It doesn't matter if you're talking at web summit. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. Your message is always consistent. You may change the vernacular. You may change the tone or the tenor, depending on who you're talking to. Your message is a thousand percent consistent. How did you go from kind of like, this is my words, nobody else's this super rough and scrappy, I'm going to crush it to where you often cry on stages because it's so spiritual and so moving inside of you, how many people you love and want to help. Yeah, it's, I lived my life before with one currency. A currency is an object of energy that you put into the flow to get what you want. And I believe that object of energy was money. And I was going to get a lot of it to put into the flow to get what I wanted. Tell my mom, choke up about it still, but whatever I wanted. I, I wear fake watches today, Stephanie, because I got a real watch when I was 13 for my bar mitzvah and the kids made fun of me because they thought it was fake, right? They said, oh, that must be, because it was a nice watch. And my uncle who was wealthy gave it to me. And so, and it really hurt my feelings at 13. And I told myself someday I'll be so rich that I'm gonna wear fake watches because everyone will think they're real, right? And so that's why I wear fake watches and nobody, they're all surprised. I give them away at galas so that the guy's like, Dave Meltzer gave me a $250,000 watch. He's so generous. Then I call him the next day after he's bragged to everyone how generous I am. Like, dude, it's fake, but just keep it anyway. Thanks for complimenting me. Anyway, the currency of money was my main focus. And it ended up in an empty, I'm not worthy, I'm not wealthy, I'm not healthy, and I'm not happy. That's where it ended up. That currency 
doesn't have a high vibration. And so once I made one change in my life, and this was the change, I'm not, my family's very religious. My brother's a rabbi, mm-hmm. they're religious scholars. They founded temples. I mean, this is a very Jewish family. Once I understood that there, and believed that faith was a currency, faith is an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want. And you know where my faith lies? In two things. This is where it all changed for me. This is why there, there is no variation in my frequency. There, there's only performance variations, but the frequency is the same. It's number one, I know, I have faith that there's something bigger than me that knows everything. It's all powerful. And two, not only do I know and have faith that there's something bigger than me, but that which is bigger than me loves me more than I love my own children. So when anything in my life occurs, faith, whether it's revolving around money or not, whether it's revolving around relationships or things that I want or don't want, no matter what happens in my life, my set OCD routine and time, no matter what God throws in my way, I know that it's there to either promote me or protect me. The same as if I was a little boy reaching my hand into a fire and my mom, who never hits anyone, slapped my hand and yelled at me, not because she was punishing me, even though I thought at three years old I was being punished, she was protecting me and promoting me. And so when you have a protection and promotion faith, not a punishment faith, you can do anything and everything. And that's what inspired me when my 13-year-old daughter's friend committed suicide. And I knew that this was inside of me. And I said to myself, I gotta do something. I gotta tell people the secret that I have learned through my own journey. And the only way people are going to listen is if I tell the truth, the good and the bad. It's amazing. If I even thought I could tell people I went bankrupt, it was so counterintuitive to my own quantum nature. I would be so embarrassed and and my ego and to live in radical humility the majority of my life. I spend minutes and moments in ego like every other human. I practice spending less and less time in ego. I know the ego is always there. It has a purpose. But if you can spend minutes and moments in ego, you too can have the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. You can make a ton of money, help a ton of people, and have a ton of fun in your life. Your humility and your discernment and your authenticity has inspired me over the last couple of years that I've watched your content. I did very, very well in Silicon Valley. You know, I ha- held many vice presidencies. I was a part of 11 global startups. I was on the deal team for, you know, massive acquisitions. Hundred mil- I've written $1.5 billion in deals, good deals, solid deals. And my story didn't matter until I got really, really humble. And I said, my father drowned when I was three. My mom had a complete nervous breakdown, never recovered, beat us, emotionally abused us. And I was fully emancipated living on my own at 15 years old. And I got very open because if I could just help one person, if I could inspire one person to just be like, wow, if she did it, I could do it too. When I watch you speak, I get lost. Like I, I literally am like, I'm just watching how you're connecting with the audience. Last week I went on your Instagram and I saw you holding your son again. And I just look at how he looks at you and how you cozy him and what he means to you. And there's no big, bad Dave Meltzer. There's not. It's this giant teddy bear of goodness and giving. How do you practice this every day? 
<laughs> the shift in the paradigm of instead of going to get something, knowing it's already there, what am I doing to interfere with it? So if I wake up and tell myself I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy and I'm worthy, and I'm only looking to see what I'm doing to interfere with it, it's a complete paradigm shift of trying to project some sort of insecurity, void, shortage, obstacle. In other words, I try to pay no attention to what's missing in my life, what I don't want in my life, or what other people want for me. I focus on what I want, and I focus in on what's interfering with what already exists, a limitless, abundant world of everything for everyone, and the only reason it's not here yet is I'm interfering with it. So I need to raise my awareness, clear the interference by learning lessons, and as I learn the lessons, in my favorite lessons list, by, for those, and anyone can reach out to me, I'll send them to you. It's Sanskrit, which was written before writing. And there's these 12 lessons of life, of humanity, of being human. You can Google it or I'll send it to you. And they are so powerful about what life is about. And I urge everyone, that's how I live my life. Because those lessons allow me to know that I already am. And I'm just focused in on what I'm doing to interfere with it. Okay, you're at Starbucks and you're watching somebody at Starbucks, okay? And um, and you don't have any full-time hires. you got a great staff. Everybody's amazing. When do you make that exception? What person do you see that you're like, I need that person on my team? What do they look like? Four things. And I always bring people on because I have a system to bring them on. So I'm always looking for these four things. And when I find them, and you'll see that with everyone you meet on my team, they have these four things, the things that I can't teach, but I can only enhance. One, gratitude. See, I can depict gratitude. I want to find someone that is seeking the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. So that's the number one thing. I can't teach that. Uh, I can enhance it if they have it. So I look for someone's ability to, to find the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. Two, forgiveness. I'm looking for someone that has a desire that they must be what they can be and is not afraid of making a shitload of mistakes and forgiving themselves, but also allowing others to make mistakes and forgiving them as well. Third thing I look for, and this is the easiest one to, to find out, is accountability. Hmm. Most people live in liability, blame, shame, and justification. I know even earlier we were talking about how frustrating it is that Everyone's living in liability, blame, shame, and justification. They're victims, not victors. There's a million different sayings that we could apply to them. I'm looking for accountable people that do two things. One, that say, what did I do to attract this to myself? And two, what am I supposed to learn from it? And then finally, I call it effective communication. Now, not only must they be able to communicate effectively, articulate themselves to listen for what people are listening to and for. But they have to be able to speak through themselves, meaning not only do they effectively communicate with other people, but most importantly, I want to see that they're in spirit, inspired, that they true believe like I do, that there's something bigger than them that cares more about them than they care about their children or their parents care about them, and that they can communicate effectively with source 
by having unwinding routines and doing all, all these other things that allow them to access the unbelievable light, love, and lessons that we're connected to and through at all times. The closer you live in abundance, the closer you live in the world of more than enough, the closer you live in between limitlessness and infinity, the more you will access and the more you'll be able to give. There's a three-step thing real quick, and I know yeah, I, I do this when I give you a little bit of time, and then it's like, shit, all he does is talk. So, but No, this is no, important. see, please, I'm, I'm going to make fun of Nick after this. This is great. Uh, Keep going. <laughs> there you go. So uh, here's the three-step process. Number one, most people on earth appreciate what they have. When you appreciate what you have, it expands it. It adds value to it. Appreciation means add value. If our house appreciates, our stock appreciates, it goes up in value. So learn to appreciate what you have. Then most people believe like I do, the more you give, the more you receive. So you need to acknowledge what you have, not just appreciate. The only way to acknowledge what you have is to give it away. That's the only time we actually acquire the knowledge of what we have. The only whole that we can mentally see is the one that we've created by giving it away. Now, here's where everyone falls down. Everybody, almost everyone appreciates. They don't take for granted what other people are wishing for. Most people believe the more you give, the more you receive. So they acknowledge it by giving it away. Most people don't ask to refill the vessel that's bigger. So what happens? A woman like my mom, who gives away her health, her wealth, and her wisdom to everyone, selflessly, slowly but surely, her vessel shrinks because she never asked for herself. And when they get to be 80 years old, they have no health left, they have no wealth left, and everyone has to take care of them, which is the exact opposite of what they were born to do and the purpose that they were given to be of service and of value to second graders, to their children, grandchildren. So I want everyone to appreciate, to acknowledge, but more importantly, my biggest lesson is ask. Show faith in the universe. There's more than enough of everything for everyone. The more you ask for, the more you'll get. The more you get, the more you can give. This flow is what we're talking about. And so many people stop when they're almost there. So ask big, ask often. Don't limit yourself. There would be no Jeff Bezos if he limited himself. I tell people all the time, I'm going to laugh at him 25 years ago. I was richer than Bezos, more famous than Bezos, more connected, connected than Bezos 25 years ago. If he was selling books out of his garage and told me he was going to be a trillionaire and I wasn't, I would have laughed at him. But you know what? He asked bigger and he had less limits in, his, in himself yeah. than I do. And I appreciate him for that. And I respect him for that, especially how big he can think. Dave, I literally want to just kiss your entire face off and give you the biggest hug ever. Tell me about the show's all about obstacles and opportunities. What's your biggest obstacle thus far that you've been able to turn into an opportunity? Understanding the ego and the way that I turned it into an opportunity. So the ego is the interference. And so one, I practice identifying the triggers of the ego. See, when the ego's in play, mm. we have a feed, fight, flee, or fornicate uh, urge that removes the blood from our brain and puts it to our body so we can do these things. Well, I want to figure out, take a step beyond that, what are the triggers? We call them family members a lot of times. They'll trigger our egos, our friends. Uh, but there's also negative uh, other things like right. I have found in myself a need to be offended. 
Uh, it's a terrible need. I wish I had the need to feed people as much as offended or everyone would be fat on earth if I had that same desire and need to, to feed other people as much as I have a need to be offended or a need to be right, a need to be separate, inferior and superior, anxious, a need to worry, feel frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful. See, once I realized, wow, I want to start identifying what triggers the ego so that instead of creating more interference or accelerating in the wrong direction, instead of resisting it, going over it, under it, through it, around it, using all that, you know, pit bull attitude, yeah, that yeah. desire that I have, instead use my higher power of thinking and my desire to simply stop. The minute I identify a trigger of my ego, I turned it into a positive because instead of resisting, I stop. I learn to breathe through my nose and out through my mouth. I have learned that central and neutral is far better than the summit. I'm going to repeat this. Central and neutral is far better than the summit, definitely the valleys. But if I can stay at neutral by stopping, dropping by breathing, that allows me to what? To put the blood back into my brain, use my higher power of thinking to remind myself, remember, recollect. Notice these three words mean to come at one, right? To remember, remind, and recollect. That unites everything with what? What I want, who I can help, who can help me, how to get it done, prioritizing the now, and applying my why. I have turned my struggle of ego into the catalyst of enlightenment, the catalyst of peace, the catalyst of higher thinking. I have taken the power out of the ego and used it to my benefit. Dave, this has been so inspiring and impactful for me. And selfishly, I just love listening to you. I want everybody to know now where they can find you and how to follow you and how to learn more about all the amazing things that you're doing globally. Well, just for your audience, I want to give my book. I will sign it. I will send it to you, uh, everyone out there. I'll pay for the book and shipping. It's not you know, free book with $9.99 shipping. I will sign it, send it to you. You just need to email me, david at dmeltzer.com. And I will do that for all your audience. If you want an ebook or audiobook, that's even easier. But I'm more than happy to do that. Google me, David Meltzer, at David Meltzer. David Meltzer, David means beloved. Meltzer means servant. I'm your beloved servant. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Thank you so, so much. And you have to promise me round two. You got it. Guaranteed. It's in print. Nick has it. Round two coming up. That's the best. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Spin It. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be notified when a new episode is released. Also, head over to YouTube to check out all of the live videos on our new podcast channel, Spin It with Stephanie Malik. The best way to support the show is to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you want to hear more from me, hop over to Instagram and follow me at Stephanie Malik. That's Stephanie with a Y, S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E Malik, M-A-L-I-K, or visit my website at stephaniemalik.com.